Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. Joined alongside me is Hooks Orpik, Jim Rixner. Jim, how are you doing? Doing good. Can't say the same about the Penguins, but so it goes. Well, Jim, this was the episode, this is episode number 43. Before we go any further, and like we've been doing for the last several episodes, uh, I guess I'll ask you this time around, who is your favorite number 43 in Penguins history? A past 43, the current 43, and maybe once again to be a former 43, I'll go Connor Sherry. What about you? Yep, uh, there there wasn't a lot to choose from again this week, and I'll probably go with the most popular 43 in Penguins history. And Jim, uh, we'll probably get into that too. He'll probably be a former number 43 when we talk about that momentarily. I'll go with Connor Sherry once again. Uh, but Jim, like I said when we when I started, this is not the episode that you and I intended on having at this point in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it is here nonetheless. The Penguins have officially bowed out of the 2020 Stanley Cup qualifying round or Stanley Cup playoffs, whatever you want to call it, uh, losing the series 3-1 to one to the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And uh, boy, Jim, that, that last game, the game four the Penguins played, we have to recap it, obviously, but there really isn't a, a ton to even talk about. I think that Really, it was a slog fest for both teams, and it was unfortunate for if you're the Penguins because I'm sure you and I were both looking for the that Penguins team to come out with a lot more firepower and pep in their step, and it really just looked like they wanted the, the series to end. It really, as much as I hate to say it, really, they didn't look like they were playing with any sort of fire or passion. Arturi Lekkinen gets the game-winning goal with the roughly four minutes to go in the third period. And the Canadians get the empty netter to win that game two to nothing. And so ends another disappointing playoff run for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Back-to-back years ending in disappointing runs after being swept by the Islanders last year. Uh, a disappointing end this year. Certainly nothing uh, nothing that a lot of the pundits and analysts and you and I both predicted that the, the Penguins would probably rather easily beat the Canadians in a five-game series and the exact opposite happened. So, Jim, what are your thoughts on the Penguins' final game of, of this season and what was surely a very, very depressing game to watch, I'm sure? It was. It was very disappointing, just like you mentioned, that they looked like they had no interest of winning, like it was just a normal game or even worse than a normal game when their season was on the line. I think they could have played all day and probably not scored a goal. They just didn't have it for whatever reason. And even though they knew they needed to to win that game, it just seemed like no one was really willing to do what it took to get there. So, yeah, that's that's going to be the fallout to debate how to get back from from that and to move on after such a really just way to go down. It's, it's one thing to lose, but to lose like that is just it's it blows the mind really for a team that came in thinking they had a chance to go deep or even take a shot at, at one more championship and now right now they're kind of at a crossroads to wonder what even comes next and of course one of the people that you're going to be looking towards to tr- try and lead them out of this crossroads and, and try and steer the ship is general manager Jim Rutherford and, and Rutherford like he has in the previous seasons he, he gave his sort of end of season press conference and uh, Rutherford is typically a general manager as you know Jim that doesn't really mince words he's not afraid to speak his mind speak his feelings and uh, he, he did say in his press conference that quote changes will be made so um, 
we'll talk a little bit about this in this segment. And I know there are a couple of questions in the mailbag too that pertain to this sort of thing. But Jim, we kind of touched on it last week because we had to talk about it. The Penguins were in that elimination scenario. And now one week later, they're gone out of the playoffs. Jim Rutherford has publicly addressed it already. You you know how Jim Rutherford acts as a general manager. He's not afraid to make moves or shake up his roster. But Jim, looking at this current roster, and I remember you mentioned it last week on the podcast, a lot of these players either have no movement clauses or or clauses in their contracts that they would have to waive in order to be traded out of Pittsburgh. Who are some of the names out of off the top of your head who might either realistically be traded or cut in this upcoming offseason? It's going to be tough because Rutherford also said, well, he said there's going to be changes made. He also committed to the core of the team. And it doesn't sound like, unlike last year, when they, when at this time he was non-committal about Evgeny Malkin's future. So at least he said that it's not going to be going in that direction. For starters, a lot of the free agents are just not going to be coming back. Justin Schultz, two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Pens. Rutherford even had some negative things to say about him, which you don't usually see. So you can just guarantee he's gone. Patrick Marlowe, he's not coming back. Uh, going down the line... Um, Yusuf Ricola, defenseman, he's restricted free agent, but at this point, what what's the use? Matt Murray, I think, probably has played his last game with the Pens. He's going to want a big contract. He's one year out from from unrestricted free agency. I don't know if they'll commit to him. Connor Sherry, like we mentioned, I don't know if there's a path back for him. And then I think you go down the list, Nick Bukestad. Jack Johnson, they tried to trade him last year. Maybe they'll try to trade him this year. I know we'll probably talk at deep about that in the future. I kind of get the sense that they're not that happy with Zach Aston Reese with the energy and effort that he's put in. But a lot of these guys are third-line, fourth-line players, depth players, third-pair defensemen. So I, I don't know if it's going to be any of really the impact players or top guns because, like you said, they either have no movement clauses, no trade clauses like Patrick Hornquist. Chris Letang, Crosby, Malkin, or their players you really don't want to trade, like Jake Gensel, Brian Russ, Jason Zucker, etc. Guys like that that you're not going to move anyways. So that kind of leaves them with not too much more, you know, in, in between. But all those in between players, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the turnover. And I think too, Jim, to add to that, from a uh, personal standpoint, uh, I'm really happy that Rutherford did come out and say he is committed to the to building around the core. Uh, I, I know a lot of people I talk to who are obviously fans and two, the two of the first names that always come up when uh, when a scenario like this comes around, when the Penguins unexpectedly get bounced from the playoffs, the two names that come around as trade bait are Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. And uh, a lot of fans that I talk to are they're old-timey fans, and some they, they're not typically pleased with the mistakes that Chris Letang or Evgeny Malkin make on a nightly basis. I'm not here to say that they make tons of mistakes, but both of these players do make some strange, uh, strange mistakes from time to time on the ice. That that's you know that's just a fact. But I, I am uh, I am pleased to hear that both Malkin uh, and Latang, for the time being, unless something crazy happens, are here to stay. And I think that is the core you have to build around for the, however long this this window remains open. Right. And the star players always take blame. And really, those guys deserve blame for a big reason why the Penguins are out is Evgeny Malkin had one point in four games. Chris Latang didn't have any points. And 
that's how it goes. But yeah, those guys always make for targets. But you have to look. Evgeny Malkin had a great regular season, scored 74 points in 55 games, was one of the most productive players per minute in the whole league. Chris Letang still finished fourth in ice time. So if you trade him, who are you getting to replace that? Like that would just leave a very huge hole. And the Penguins do overwhelmingly better with Letang and Malkin on the ice. Their struggles have been, you know, this year especially when the Patrick Marlowe, Jared McCann line was on the ice, when Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz were on the ice. That's where the Penguins need improvement. They do need their stars to come through, but, you know, that's just an easy target. And if you trade a guy like that, it's really hard to get guys like that, and you don't want to lose those. So, yeah, I agree with you that I think, uh, you know, what the Penguins need is more the periphery-type players and improvements from the contributions more down the lineup and the depth players. Now, that that's not to say, Jim, that uh, from a player personnel perspective, from the players you see on the ice on a nightly basis, uh, those, those lesser-known depth players might be shuffled around. But uh, at the time of recording here, there was news earlier today that the Penguins have made uh, a little bit, of, a couple of roster transactions to their their, their coaching staff, uh, and more specifically, three three assistant coaches in in Mike Sullivan's coaching tree have been let go. Those coaches being uh, Sergey Gonchar, uh, Mark Recchi, and Jacques Martin. And uh, Jim, right off the bat, to put it to put it bluntly, I, I think these kinds of changes had to be made. Uh, I think you know the, the power play, as we've talked about before. The power play looked lifeless. It looked like they're aimless. There was no direction. And uh, Mark Recchi was largely responsible for the power play. Uh, the defense has come under fire recently, and and uh, Ser- Sergei Gonchar was known to be a, a sort of a, a defense whisperer and, and spend a lot of his time coaching the, the defense. Uh, Jacques Martin, uh, Jacques Martin uh, was mainly responsible for uh, the forward groups, uh, managing the forwards. But... So all of these, all of these three head, uh, all of these three assistant coaches uh, are officially out of Pittsburgh, and as it stands right now, as we speak to one another, the Penguins are actively looking to fill these three. Um, I, I would assume that they would be they would bring in three other new faces behind the bench. Maybe they maybe they shorten up the bench and put more responsibility on uh, two people to bring in. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, these three assistant coaches are out of Pittsburgh. I think it was a necessary change to shake up. We th- we, we we saw throughout this series, the team looked lifeless. And if Mike Sullivan isn't going anywhere for the time being, and we'll get to, we'll get into that a little bit later, I'm sure. But I think Jim Long story short, this is a message sent to Mike Sullivan. I, I personally think it is anyway. Um, you know, I think Sullivan has earned a longer leash just based on what he has done with the team uh, in the past. But assistant coaches, I don't want to say they're dime a dozen, but they're easier to replace than that of a head coach, especially of uh, Mike Sullivan's caliber at this point in his coaching career. So, Jim, what are your thoughts? What is your take on the Penguins releasing th- these three assistant head coaches as the Penguins offseason gets underway? I'm not too surprised because Rutherford did promise changes, and when you promise changes, something has to be different. So that's the first step they're going to make, and as you detailed, it makes sense. The assistant coaches support the head coach, and the level of support they gave led to a just kind of a no-show in the playoffs. The power play, as you mentioned, was bad. The penalty kill was good, but kind of the defensive structure and support, I think, from Martin, it, it was time to go. It was ready to go in a new direction and I think for me it's like 
I kind of wonder why, though, because it's not the assistant coaches that come in and give speeches during intermission or try to motivate the players. That's Mike Sullivan's job. Mike Sullivan failed, too. So it kind of, to me, feels like a half measure to just remove the assistants and not the the head guy, because if there's a problem, it starts at the top. And so, I, I mean, I understand that Mike Sullivan has earned a leash and that Rutherford and everyone in the Penguins feel strongly about him and has has faith in him to turn it around but I don't know if he's earned that faith after the last two playoff years to me it's kind of like the whole NHL coach in general is easy to replace easy to find a good one just as the Penguins found Mike Sullivan as the Wilkes-Barre Scranton head coach once upon a time so to me I don't know if it goes far enough but it's a start and yeah it's going to be some new assistants maybe that changes up the voices maybe that helps Sullivan kind of refresh his style a little bit and get things going because he definitely needs a major overhaul or I suspect it's going to be him that's next sooner or later. Yeah. And I think that's one of the questions we'll touch, we'll touch upon more uh, about Mike Sullivan's future specifically in the mailbag, but it's going to be very interesting to see Jim, like you said, if uh, he is going to change up his style a little bit, get, get some new voices in there behind that bench. Uh, One other piece of news here to talk about before we head over into our very hefty mailbag today uh, the Penguins have a little bit of a draft pick dilemma. I, I, I think, Jim, at the time of recording— It's over. I, They've, they're keeping it. Is it over? Yep. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. So the, the Penguins are officially keeping their 2020 first-round draft pick that they would have sent to the Minnesota Wild in uh, to complete the Jason Zucker trade. They will now send the 2021 draft pick to the Minnesota Wild, the 2021 first-round draft pick. Uh, Jim, do you have any immediate thoughts on that? Do you do you think it was the the right the right thing to do to keep this pick number fifteen this year instead of shifting uh, sh- shipping off the shipping off this pick and keeping the twenty twenty one draft pick? What what are your thoughts on this then? Yep, right thing to do. I, I wouldn't have. I'm surprised they put as much thought into it as they did. The fifteenth pick is the highest pick the Penguins have had of their own pick since two thousand six. So. Yeah, they, they they do well in the regular season, even with injuries, and I would suspect no one's really anticipating missing the playoffs next year. So with that in mind, the pick this year is better. And just in terms of the life cycle of the franchise, the this year's draft pick means more to the Penguins than next year's draft pick will mean to them. It's just kind of, you know, do we want to get it over with and just let Minnesota have it now and we can move forward and maybe trade next year's or trade next we we know we traded next year's already now it's time to develop and figure out the future and i think it's the they did the smart thing in this case to keep their first round pick this year because it's as high as hopefully it ever will be for a little while yeah i agree with you jim i i I think this is the smart thing to do uh i'm not a, a draft expert by any means but from what i understand about this draft class from everything that I've been reading, it's uh, it, people say that this is a rather deep draft class. So uh, a little bit of an encouraging, uh, encouraging thing if you're the Penguins in the scouting department, if you feel much more comfortable, you know, you scouted this draft class. And another thing too, Jim, um, that I believe it was maybe it was the Athletics Jesse Marshall. I apologize, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember seeing that you know scouts, NHL scouts may have a tougher time scouting future uh future players 
especially this upcoming for this upcoming fall season. Uh, a lot of schools are canceling fall sports, and that typically includes hockey. So uh, maybe the the scouts and the, and the Penguins they all got together. They thought this is probably the smarter thing to do. We have a better understanding of this year's draft class than we would maybe next year's draft class. And I agree with you too. This is the highest draft pick that the Penguins have had of their own since 2006, like you mentioned. So I think overall, it's a smart thing to do. You get another first round body in there. Hopefully uh, you can develop them a couple of years down the line. Hopefully you look forward to them making an impact in the NHL. Well put. Yeah. And that was uh, Pennsburg's Jimmy Rickson, not athletics. Destiny Marshall. Was it you? Oh God, yeah, Jimmy, that's... I feel terrible. I, I read so much and it just blends in my, oh, Jimmy. I uh, feel... It's all good. <laughs> we uh, can proceed. Oh man. All right. Well, off of that really embarrassing note, we'll, we'll flip over to the mailbag segment. Uh, well, th- with this being the, what looks to be the, the last Pennsburg podcast for the foreseeable future, unless something crazy happens once the off season begins, but I, I'll announce it nonetheless. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested uh, in submitting your question or your thought to the Pennsburg Podcast, you can do so by uh, following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week when, when there is a new episode of the podcast, we will put out a tweet asking for your participation in the mailbag. No, no question is off limits. We love getting all sorts of crazy, wacky, fun questions. And Jim, I believe this is the largest mailbag we've ever had for a podcast. We have 10 questions. A couple of them are a little bit similar in, in how they're structured, but we want, I wanted to include them nonetheless because this might be the, the last podcast for a little while. So Jim, like you do every week, you'll get first crack at the question. Uh, Cole Delvecchio is back and he asks, would, would you want to see the Penguins pick 15th or slide the Minnesota pick? slide the pick to Minnesota this year. Would you be concerned on gambling on with gambling on them or having a better season next year? And uh, we kind of already talked about it in the previous segment, Jim. I don't know if you have to repeat yourself, but I won't repeat myself. We did mention that, but I mean, you know, even if, if somehow it goes off the rails and they're worse next year, what's it going to be the 12th pick, the 13th pick? It's not like the Penguins are going to be the worst team in the league by any measure next year. So it, I, I mean, the value is going to be, no, if worse, just barely, and it's probably not even going to be worse. So, yeah, no problems here. I think in the in the main thing to keep in mind with this team too is they they can use either the depth for their prospect pool, get a guy in that maybe you can trade later down the line, like they did, they did for with Kalen Addison or something like that. Like, so that's just where the value is really. It's and I'm not gonna sweat if oh no this could be the 13th overall pick next year well you know so so it goes that's not really gonna make a world of difference our next question comes to us from battle on the boards who says what do you expect the penguins to realistically do with bukestad keep him buy him out or trade him what could he reasonably be traded for who would you want bukestad is a really curious player in the sense that um you don't, I don't, you don't, I mean, you know what you're getting with him. He's a big body and he's another forward to add to the forward depth. But if you had to ask me right now what their plans are with Nick Bukestad, he has a year left on his current contract with a cap hit of 4.1 million. Uh, I would think my uh, Jim Rutherford would find a buyer for him somewhere. I, I don't think Nick Bukestad will be on this roster to start the, the next season, whenever it does start up. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's, it's probably just best for everybody to move on. Players like that tend to, to switch teams pretty frequently anyways, and especially after long injury drop-off. So yeah, I don't I don't think he'll be back either. 
Stephen Whitehouse is back, and he asks, what changes do you think the Penguins need to make in time for next season, and will we see a major piece moved out? That's a great question, and it's interesting. I, To me, I think the most major of a piece that would move on would be Patrick Hornquist, but he does have the full no-trade clause, so maybe they don't even look in that direction or, you know, Rutherford really loves Hornquist too. So he might think this is a guy we need more of, not less of. But I I think um, Hornquist is probably the most impactful player that could be traded. Or of course, Matt Murray, I guess you could put him in that category too. But overall, like, like we had said, I think they'll just try really fix the third line, especially the third line center, when Jared McCann didn't work there. So maybe switch Jared McCann to wing. He did better there, it seemed like. Find a third-line center, revamp some of the defense down on the third pair, and hope that is enough. So that that's what I'm looking for this offseason. Anything more major than that I think would be a shock if, if they did go ahead and trade Latang or something like that. I, I really would be surprised. Our next question from Blutarski asks, Priority signing rank for the following forwards. McCann, Sheary, Rodriguez, Bluger, Lafferty, Angelo. And Bluger has a contract, and he has Zach Aston Reese, and he has a contract too, so we'll leave those out. Okay. Um, McCann, I believe Jared McCann is a restricted free agent. Um, and the Penguins, I think the Penguins have come out, and they have said that they weren't really pleased with uh, the way McCann handled himself this playoff run. I don't know if they're completely sold on him being a third line center at this point. Uh, does he, does McCann, McCann co- could come back on the cheap. I don't, Jim, how much leverage do you think a guy like McCann has? I don't know. I'll say, I'll say McCann comes back on a one year deal. Connor Sherry, he is an unrestricted free agent. I think you've seen the last of him in a Penguins uniform, uh, unless he comes back for a cheap one year deal. Uh, I believe, did you say Rodriguez was under, was under contract, Jim? No, he's restricted free he's agent. Res- uh, uh, Rodriguez is a restricted free agent. I don't know how much leverage he has to come to the, the, the table, too. I think Rodriguez comes back. I think they like Rodriguez, although Sullivan didn't play him at all in the playoffs. He was a healthy scratch. Uh, Aston Reese, you said, has a contract. I think he'll be back unless he's traded. Bluger will probably be the fourth-line center next year. I think you said he has a contract, too. Uh, Sam Lafferty and Anthony Angelo. Don't have much leverage. I think they come back on the cheap next year, too, as organizational depth. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I would confusingly rank all of those forwards that I listed. Uh, unless you have any thought, do you have any thoughts on this ranking, Jim? Any 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 crazy thing that you might be thinking of? Oh, this person does that like a guy like McCann. Is he definitely out the door after his playoff performance or do you think he'll come back? I think he will come back because, like you said, he can file for arbitration. But arbitration, they pretty much look at your goals and your assists and rank that against other young players. And McCann this year had 14 goals, 21 assists, which is a good year, but that's not a break-the-bank year by any stretch of the imagination. The only thing um, that I might disagree with you or see playing out a little differently would be Evan Rodriguez because he had a $2 million salary this year. So his qualifying offer has to start at $2 million. So I could see that as a situation where the Penguins think, oh, that that might be just a little too rich for our blood for that kind of a third or fourth line role. But 
you never know with stuff like that because I remember one year Tyler Kennedy was in a similar boat where he had a high qualifying offer and the Penguins didn't want to sign him at that. So they actually let him become an unrestricted free agent but still re-signed old TK. So I think something like that could happen with Rodriguez. I do agree with what you said that they did seem to like him despite not playing him. So I think maybe he could come back if they can find a way to make the dollars work there. The Pens Hen is here with uh, with a really long tweet. Holy moly. Please advise why the Jack Adams Award doesn't encompass his or her coaching, quote, their best all season plus during the playoffs, then winning the Stanley Cup. In Sullivan's case, twice, he did it twice back to back, though the Caps won the President's Trophy, for example. Sully did defeat them in the end. That's a good question because sometimes when it comes to be award day, you look and the MVP or the coach of the year ended up losing in the first round. Then you think, oh, that doesn't really make sense. But, I mean, the only explanation is those are regular season awards. If you win the Stanley Cup, that's the reward in and of itself is that you're a Stanley Cup champion. So that's that's what you get for that. Uh, It it does kind of make sense that maybe they – would make the awards include playoffs or vote after playoffs, but they even vote for the awards before the playoffs start. So the playoffs have absolutely nothing to do with those awards. And if you win the cup, you win the cup. Fiona asks penguins, Twitter who are smarter than me. Is it just worth it to buy out Jack Johnson's contract? Like, is there even a team who will take him at this point? I'm sure there's a general manager somewhere who would take Jack Johnson Although I, when I say that, put an asterisk by it because if I'm if I'm Jim Rutherford looking to actively trade Jack Johnson, uh, you'd probably have to include some sort of sweetener, whether it be a, a medium round draft pick or some sort of other player. The problem is Jack Johnson makes so much money at such a long term. Uh, any smart general manager would probably outright decline taking on Jack Johnson at his current contract and term. Uh, But Jim, I think you and I both know a lot of the general managers around the league are kind of old school guys who still operate under some old school tendencies. And I think Rutherford is one of those guys. So, you know, maybe there is a buyer, but I, I think the buyout is the smarter way to go. And you just have to eat that dead money for the, the several years after that it's not the end of the world buying out a player especially like a guy like johnson who we've seen actively throughout the montreal series had really an abysmal series he's had an abysmal two years really as a penguin so um i think out of those two options i think you buy out jack johnson's contract whenever that window opens i would think so too but i mean you look at it milan lucic has has what Five years left on a $6 million cap hit, and he got traded last summer. So, I mean, I think you can always trade a guy like that, but the problem, as you kind of touched on, is that you're going to get back something that you don't want. And, like, they were talking last summer that Jack Johnson was in the trade negotiations with the Minnesota Wild as part of the Phil Kessel deal that got shot down. But the problem is the Penguins would have picked up – Victor Rask, a forward in that deal, and he has a $4 million cap hit, which is higher than Jack Johnson's, and he's like a fourth-line forward or a healthy scratch at this point. He's not a very good player either. So, I mean, that that's kind of the pros and cons is, yeah, you can get rid of Jack Johnson, but you're taking back either a bad player with a bad contract or something along those lines to deal with it. So that that's the problem to me with a trade as far as if it's worth it. 
to your point, they asked about the buyout that would the Penguins would pay a 1.1 million cap hit for the next two seasons, a 1.9 million dollar cap hit the third year, and then three years of a 916 thousand dollar cap hit if they were to buy him out this summer. So, I mean. I, I still think that that sounds like the right option to me. It stinks to add six years of dead cap space, but you got to pay Jack Johnson $3.25 million to play for you, or for the next two years you can have a $1.1 million cap hit and still have over $2 million of savings to replace him. And that, that to me, sounds like a, a good deal. Tom is here with a question for you, Jim. Do you think... Sam Poulin or Nathan Legare will play with the Pens at the NHL level next year, or will they, they be in the AHL? Also, the third D pair, uh, Ricola, Ruedel, Pio Joseph, any of those guys presumably play at the NHL level next year. Thanks for the question, Tom. Uh, Samuel Poulin, they liked him a lot, the 2019 first-round pick. He skated with them in their training camp, but they didn't bring him to Toronto, which to me says he's not really that close to the NHL. He just turned 19 years old this summer. He's still a very young player. So, no, I don't think you're going to see him. The third-round pick, Nathan Legere, um, he wasn't even at the training camp, so he's a step behind Poulin. So that, that puts him well off the NHL radar right now at this point. I the the Canadian Juniors agreement with the American Hockey League says those players aren't allowed to play in the AHL next year. They're too young. They have to finish their their Canadian Hockey League eligibility. But with all this virus stuff, I don't know if that will affect anything or how that's going to move going forward. So I guess stay tuned on that. As far as the defensemen, I said earlier, I don't think Ricola is coming back to the Pens organization. It's just probably better for everyone to move on there. Chad Ruedel is back, and they like him a lot. Will they give him a chance to play full-time third pair? I don't know. I mean, I think at worst he's going to be the seventh defenseman who's the first guy in if there's an injury, and that, that seems like a good place for him. So I'm sure you'll see Chad Ruedel in plenty of games next year since the Penguins don't stay healthy all that much. And Pierre-Olivier Joseph, he's the one to really keep an eye on. He only had got 52 games, HL games, this season. He's still young, too. He just turned 21, which is incredibly young for defensemen. I do believe you will see Joseph make his NHL debut at some point in the 2020-21 NHL season. But I don't, I don't really know if he's going to be a full-time player that's going to play every game and be ready for a role just from now on to play. So that's kind of what I'm looking for there. I do think of, of all the names mentioned that Joseph's probably the furthest along at this point. You have any thoughts on that, Garrett? Um, the prospects off, I don't know if you track too closely with that. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an expert, and this will basically this will this ties in with Sammy Bagel Jr.'s next question. Uh, young players moving up to play for the Penguins next year. So we'll basically I'll, we'll combine those two, and I'll give my response to that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you, Jim. Uh, Joseph and Legaray and Poulin are. I don't know a lot about prospect scouting, but I do know those guys probably need a, a, a little bit more seasoning in the AHL level, all three of them. And like you said, Legare and Poulin aren't even eligible because of the CHL agreement to, uh, I don't even think, start in the AHL next year. So uh, I think the, the two forwards that were drafted last year, I think they're still a couple of years away from making an impactful 
uh, debut for the Penguins. Uh, Joseph is probably the closest one out of the three to make his debut, and I agree with you. I think some point down the line, whether it be injury or someone not performing to their standards, I think Joseph makes his debut sometime next year uh, for the Penguins squad. Out, out of that, Jim, I don't know if there's really anybody else in their farm system that is really ready to make a not even not even a Jake Gensel kind of leap, but uh, like a I don't know if there's anybody really down there that's ready to make a serviceable depth kind of leap either. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I guess you could say Sam Lafferty. Does he still count because he played some games there, but he's mainly an NHL player now at this point. But yeah, other than him, that's that's kind of the problem with the Pens right now is when they had their big turnaround. They had Connor Sherry, Brian Russ, Brian Dumoulin, Matt Murray, all these great young players come up through the ranks and, and play in that 2015-16 season, even your Scott Wilsons and your Tom Kuhnhackles in there too, and they really don't have that now at this point. Anthony Angelo kind of is what he is. He's an okay fill-in every once in a while. Sam Lafferty has some speed. He's he's not a bad option, but he's very bottom of the roster, and other than that, they they don't have anything, like you said, nothing close to a Jake Gensel or Brian Rust in, in the the minors. But hopefully, you know, some of those guys we talked about can get there and, you know, in the next year or two work their way up to it. Uh, do you want to take the next question, Jim? Or do you Yeah, wanna... I guess we kind of answered Sammy Bagels without asking what young players do we see moving up. So let's go on to Noah's. I'll give it to you. He okay. says, most likely players to be traded and for what? For uh, for what is a really interesting part of that question. Let me pull up the contracts and everything. Uh, we kind of touched on it recently. We've really touched on it all season long. Uh, I think Bukestad will be traded, and don't expect anything amazing in the Bukestad return, given his injury history and the kind of player he is at this point. Yeah, I think Tristan Jari is the guy at this point. Uh, I think Matt Murray will be traded. Um, it was... Uh, I don't know if it's a pipe dream, Jim, but I'd like Matt Murray to be traded for a nice package. I think you can persuade a general manager, even given Murray's injury history and his, his his regression. I think you can persuade a general manager to say, "Hey, look what look what Murray has accomplished in his resume uh, on his resume, two Stanley Cups." I think a lot of general managers might be interested in a guy like that. Uh, for a, for a package, you know, maybe you get a decent prospect or a, or, a, or a, a nice draft pick. I don't know. The problem is, I'm I'm I don't know. I I do know that goalies probably aren't worth a whole heck of a lot on the trade market compared to other players, other positions. So um, I think Murray gets traded. Bukestad, um, Jack Johnson is a guy we've mentioned a thousand times on here. Uh, either he gets hopefully gets traded or bought out. Other than that, nobody from the core is being traded. I think Brian Rust is going to stay here. Patrick Hornquist, like you said, he has the no-trade clause. Um, if he gets traded, I wouldn't expect it to be for a lot. I think he's still useful in the NHL, but he's going to turn 34 next year. With how many miles Patrick Hornquist has on his body, if the Penguins are going to keep paying him the amount of money he's doing his contract... Uh, so other than that, it's basically the guys, Jim, that we've mentioned a thousand times, uh, you know, over the last several weeks of doing the podcast. I think those are probably the guys who are most likely to be traded. Do you have anybody else that I might not have mentioned or any other reason for why the guys that I, I might have mentioned may or may not be traded? That makes good sense to me at this point. Um, if I had to make one addition, I would just say for a hot take standard that 
maybe one of Jared McCann or Zach Aston Reese get traded just in the name of mixing the group up a little more and figuring out like how to get new faces around. I do think that, you know, if you if you look at the the lineup, a lot of the guys are going to stay and we know that they're, they're going to stay like Gensel and Rust and Zucker and all that. So they have to make fine changes somewhere. So I wouldn't be stunned if a guy like Aston Reese or McCann is moved on as well as all those other names you said, just to give the sense of, hey, we're, we're moving stuff around. We're trying something different. We're going to figure it out. And Jim, uh, our last question of this mailbag is a really interesting note to really end the podcast on and, and look towards the future. Kevin P wants to know how hot is Mike Sullivan's chair? That's a good question. Um, I would have thought it is hotter than it seems right now because it he's coming back. But look, we all know the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and if they have a slow start to the regular season, I wouldn't be comfortable at all if I was Mike Sullivan because we know that when you're with the Penguins. The way you win a Stanley Cup is the coach gets fired in the middle of the season. The new voice comes in and really leads them to success. And Sullivan knows this, too, because he was that voice back in late 2015. So, I mean, he knows it better than anyone. And I definitely think there's a slump next season. Well, you have to adjust since the season's starting late. So maybe by February, March, a few months into the season that, you know, do they look to make a change if they're sitting out of the playoff spot? At that point, you you would think, why not? What do they have to lose if it comes to that? But Sullivan's going to get the chance, and he's been a really good regular season coach, including this year. Let's not forget that. He helped them when they were injured to really, I mean, they were on pace for well over 100 points this year. So if they had that kind of regular season again, you know, he's going to be fine. And then it's just a lot of pressure. It's going to be a lot of pressure for the next playoffs, don't you think? Because they've had two bad playoffs in a row and really three bad series in a row dating back to playing the Washington Capitals in 2018. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on everybody, I would think, when the next playoffs start. And who knows what happens at at that point. Yeah, Jim, just to put a bow on this, I, I think the I think the assistant coach thing, was uh, a little bit of a warning shot to Mike Sullivan. I, I think, I agree. I think they, they give Sullivan a half a season, when it, whatever length of the, the next season will be, whether it's 48, 82 games, you know, they give him a half a season, whatever it is. And if they're slumping, I, I don't think Rutherford and I don't think the guys above, I, I, don't, I don't think Mario and Burkle are afraid to pull that kind of trigger to to really shake things up if, if, if they go on a, a really bad slump to start out the next season. But uh, Jim, I, I think that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. And uh, for the time being, uh, unless something crazy happens, um, we'll probably have a, another episode of the podcast. I would assume roughly September, October when the free agency slash NHL draft begins. I'm not entirely certain on when those dates are. I think it's around that time period, early to mid October. Uh, but Jim, do you have anything else you want to add on before we conclude this episode of the Pensbrook podcast? Nope. I think that'll wrap it up for now. Thanks everyone for sticking with us. And yeah, I think we will try to hit at least one a month. So hopefully yeah, at that. some point in February or September, we will get something out, but yeah, we wish we could have done more for everyone, but we're definitely thankful that everyone went on the journey with us and we will keep 
covering it at Pennsburg on the website and hopefully have another podcast for you soon. All righty, Jim. Uh, for, for Jim Rickster, once again, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you all so much for, for listening throughout this season to the Pennsburg podcast. And uh, we will see you. Uh, we'll see you whenever whenever the Penguins make the news once again. So for, for Jim Rixner, Hooks Orpic, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.